You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. So we're in a series at the beach. We'll be talking about water and We'll be exploring different scripture stories that relate to water throughout the Bible. Now, there are a lot of stories in the Bible that relate to water, so you'll have to come back each week to discover which ones we're going to be talking about. And instead of a typical sermon during this series, we will be sharing the story as someone who might have been there would share the story or might share the story. What did they see? What did they think? What did it mean to them? And the first story is that of Jesus' baptism, something that's referred to in all four of the Gospels. Each account tells the story or refers to the story in a slightly different way. And this morning we'll hear Matthew's account, but if you're interested in looking them up, you can read about Luke's account in chapter 3, Mark's account in Mark chapter 1, or John's reference to the event in John chapter 1, verse 29. So if you're loving it and you want to look them all up, you can find references in each of the four. But for now, let's take a listen to Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism. Hi, I'm Nancy Kale, and I'm on location on, well, in the Little Elkhart River in Middlebury, Indiana. I'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected. I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it, God's work, putting things right all these centuries, is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. The moment Jesus came out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tide. Sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. Please pray with me. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, the one who redeems and claims us. Amen. Are you here to learn from Jesus today? Me too. Right here on the Jordan River. Right there. You heard about what happened last time Jesus came to the Jordan River, didn't you? People are calling it the baptism of Jesus. I was there. I saw it. I don't usually get to see cool things, but I was there for this one. I live near here, and really I was supposed to be fetching water that day, but I saw the crowd, and I was a little bit curious, and dozens of people were surrounding John. You know about John, right? 
Some of you know about John. Well, this is who I really wanted to see because they call him John the Immerser because he has put so many people under the water. John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, some of them even call him. And there are all kinds of rumors about John. Some of you seemed a little bit hazy on who he might be. So I need to tell you, they say that he wears a cloak of camel hair, which is a really weird choice of attire if you think about it, because usually we use camel hair for our tents or for our rugs. It's kind of like wearing a shag carpet as your coat. Not very comfortable, not very good for the heat. And we haven't really seen anything that strange since the days of Elijah. He used to wear camel hair too. Come to think of it, maybe John is an Elijah fan, which would really explain why he picked the Jordan River as the site for all his baptisms, because you remember that's where Elijah was carted up into heaven in a chariot of fire, the Jordan River. Now, the rumors say John lives out in the desert somewhere by himself. People are saying he's the guy who was foretold in Scripture. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. You must know that quote. And the rumors say John survives by eating honey and locusts. Yeah, you heard me right. Locusts, the bug of plagues. Clearly nobody is feeding that man. There are people who are saying his diet is symbolic. He eats honey because he comes to bring us blessings. He eats locusts because he comes to bring us judgment. I don't really know, but I know that I would not survive that long if all I had to eat was bugs and honey. And certainly all these rumors about him make him sound like somebody worth listening to. John definitely seems like a strange dude. And so when I saw him standing in the river, the camel hair and all, I thought, I, I need to see what's going to happen. So dozens of people were around him, and they were waiting for him to immerse them in water. You know about immersion, right? Okay, some nodding, but a lot of you seem unsure. And who am I kidding? I can tell you're not Jewish. So, I need to tell you a little bit about the tradition before Jesus came along, this Jesus incident. So, immersion is one of the many ways of cleansing in the Jewish tradition, and Scripture gives us a lot of laws. We call them mitzvah in Hebrew, 613 laws to be exact, and many of the laws outline what it means to be clean or not clean, and often becoming clean involves washing or even immersing oneself in the water. For example, you have to wash yourself if you've eaten an unclean animal or if you've touched a chair that's also been touched by a menstruating woman or if you've been exposed to certain skin diseases. All of these things you have to wash. And you most definitely have to be clean or washed to enter the temple because that's where the seat of God is. So you have to be washed to encounter God is what we're saying. And there are a lot of words that mean the same thing. If any of you are Greek, you might know the word baptism. That's the Greek word for immersion or bathing, cleansing, sprinkling, all of that. That's Greek. And in Hebrew, we call the idea mikvah. I told you people need to perform a mikvah, an immersion, before, uh, before they can be considered clean if they break one of the rules. And it's the same kind of idea if you're converting to Judaism. People new to the faith need to be immersed in the water before they can enter the temple, before they can meet God. And whether you are new to the faith or you've been Jewish forever, everybody who gets immersed, everybody who gets baptized, 
has to be connected to somebody else. You don't ever get washed, you don't ever have a mikvah if you're not connected to the community. And you can be richly cleansed in any kind of water, but certain water is better than others. So you can use a puddle, you can use a small pond, but really a well is better than that. And even better than that is a river. River water is the absolute best for baptism, for immersion. It's what we call living water because it never stops moving. Now apparently John always uses living water for baptisms. He's almost always in rivers. He must have high standards. Now the weird thing is usually in the Jewish tradition if you're going to be immersed for cleansing, you simply wash yourself. You climb into the river by yourself. And unless you have physical restrictions, you don't need somebody else as your buddy out there dunking you in. So what John is doing is really different. It sets it apart. It's like he's creating something slightly new. He's been calling people to join him in the water. He's been invoking the name of God. He's been encouraging people to be washed in the river, not just to change their actions, but to change their hearts. And so, back to my story. There John is. He's standing in the river. He's surrounded by a crowd. And up walks Jesus. Now, none of us knew who Jesus was back then. Jesus of Nazareth. So I didn't think he was anyone special when I first saw him. But most of the people were there with their families, with their households. You'd have a whole clump of people who were together. And so I do remember thinking, it's kind of strange to see a single 30-something man walk out to John in the river by himself. And I wasn't too far away, so I could see a little bit of what was happening. And the man, who turned out to be Jesus of Nazareth, walked up to John. Now, the Smith family, who was closest up to Jesus at the time, told me afterwards that Jesus said, I need you to baptize me. Well, that wasn't too unusual. That's what everybody had been saying to John all morning. But what they said he said next, that's what's interesting. Apparently John replied, no, I need you to baptize me. Now Jesus must have been getting, uh, Jesus must have been pretty serious about getting baptized and apparently John eventually relented because soon there he was getting dunked under the water. Now, I don't remember that part as clearly as what happened next. When Jesus came up from the water, that was memorable. That was loud. It was like these heavy clouds had rolled in while none of us were paying attention, and as soon as we noticed they were there, they broke open and light shined through. And there was something that came down from the clouds. And none of us can quite agree on what it was. Somebody said it was a dove. Somebody else said it was simply the Holy Spirit. We couldn't quite figure out, but I could sense echoing in my ears words saying, this is my son who I love. I'm pleased with him. Now, I don't know where these words came from exactly or what they meant. At the time, I didn't, but after talking with others, I think that must have been God's words. I think that was God's voice. And at first, all of us were stunned, and we stood there silent. And then, people started cheering. 
and they started clapping and they started mobbing Jesus because we thought maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe this is God's son. Maybe this is the promised one. You don't live through that kind of experience and forget about it. And everyone started moving towards Jesus and John. We just couldn't help it. We wanted to know what had happened. Who was this man? But John really quickly led Jesus out of the water and away from the river. And none of us had a chance really to ask our detailed questions. Now you'd think, after a miracle like that, that we would have heard more about Jesus right away. Claimed by God in the middle of the river, but apparently his next move was to spend more than a month in the desert by himself. Maybe he got scared by all the attention. Maybe he wasn't exactly sure what happened either, like us. Maybe he was getting ready for what was coming next. Well, I tried to listen for news of this Jesus fellow after that, and so far, keeping my ear to the ground, I've heard that he turned water into wine at a wedding. And I heard that he healed a man at Bethsaida who had been unable to walk for 38 years. This is the stuff of legends. Even you must have heard how he fed thousands of people with five barley loaves. Everybody is telling that story. And so when I heard that Jesus was headed back this way, back toward the Jordan River where it all started, I just, I had to check it out. God's always done miraculous things with water. It seems like God is doing some great things with Jesus. So whatever that next amazing thing is, I hope I get to be there. I hope I get to be part of it. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.